This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hey guys, welcome back to the WOMED. We are here today to do a Q&A. Yeah, and I'm happy to just be back with Danny. Dan. Yeah. D. <laughs> I've loved our guests, but it is kind of nice just to be with you every once in a while. I you know? know. I know. And we've actually talked about doing maybe like a bonus episode every once in a while of just us a week because I love talking to you so much and venting and I feel like our vents and rants are can be pretty relatable <laughs> our conversations are really good when we have our catch-up conversations mm-hmm. they might actually help I don't know if anybody would be interested in listening to them but hey they might be help some people <laughs> I kind of want to be a smart ass and comment I was reading um, some reviews the other day and thank you to everyone who has been reviewing and liking and subscribing there is there is one review that was like it sounds like D and Danny are trying to fake a friendship. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Like they're trying to pretend like they actually know each other. I can't even read those reviews. I can't even go in the deep dive because one of them called us stupid or whatever. And I just define smart to me. Give me like a give me an example of what smart is. Like if you can't have fun, is having fun indicative of being dumb? You know, yeah. I just like I can't get into the deep dive on those because it's too depressing. Yeah. And I and I can't look at them objectively as just feedback. Like I actually have read some of the ones and I was like, OK, you know, like our our giggling. <laughs> yeah, we okay, do. Giggle we can cut back on that. I know. I'm trying. I'm trying to not say like so much. It's all yes. things that you start hearing in your. And I'm an ummer. Yeah. Trying to but cut back on that. It's a learning process. So it is. thank you for the positive feedback. The constructive criticism, but I will tell you, Danny's my girl. That's right. We've been friends. We were friends before we started this. Yeah. So we're friends dying of <laughs> oxygen depletion. Oh God, in Peru. At <laughs> how many feet were we? We were at like twelve thousand elevation, something like that. <laughs> something like that. I have to look. I took um Diamox. Yeah, we for we that tried trip. to have a dance party in fifteen seconds. In we were all holding our chests and like yeah. <laughs> knees. I think I want to, if I hadn't taken that, if I hadn't taken Diamox, I don't think I would have survived that trip, but I did. Came prepared. So let's get into it. Uh, Danny and I posted in our stories and did some posts on Twitter, just asking for whatever questions you guys had for us. So we're going to jump in with the lubrication question, which was of my own device. (laughs) Danny, if you could listen to one song for the rest of your life, what would it be? That's a very easy one for me. What is it? It's Van Morrison's Brown Eyed Girl. Oh, you're so good. Yeah, this is very easy. I don't even have to think. It is the happiest song that has ever been written. And every time I listen to it, it makes me feel so good. And a very close second would be sitting on the dock of the bay. Oh, my God. Your, your answers are so much cooler than mine. Mine was like <laughs> super dictated right now by Taylor Swift's new album, which I can't. I cannot stop listening. I love song, it too. Lover. So I feel good. like I can listen to forever. Like I just want to mm-hmm. keep hearing it. It's so beautiful. <laughs> I love her album too. I actually love like all sorts of new stuff, but for something, a, a question as serious as that, mm-hmm. I have to go back to the classics. I think Lover's going to be a classic. It should eventually. She's got lots that'll be classics. 
Yeah, but there's something about Lover. I know, that or Edward Sharp Home, because that one always makes me happy. Oh, that one's good, too. Danny, I'm so excited. This episode of The Woman is being brought to you by Skillshare. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Skillshare is a legit company. They have online learning classes with thousands of different topics, creative topics, entrepreneurial skills, Go on, Danielle's trying to learn French. <laughs> I know. Skillshare. I signed they up. They have everything. There's so many different classes. I signed like I signed up for creative writing classes, for French classes, Spanish classes, video editing classes. Because I mean, that's just really cool. Like, what if I want to make a video? It literally offers lifelong learning, and it's so cool. Like, people of all ages can learn whatever they want. Yeah, and honestly, a board mine is. A dead mind, in my opinion. No, so, that's so true. It's great to be able to challenge I don't know, yourself. Yeah, challenge yourself. And for me, I love it because it helps me with my side gig. And there are all sorts of topics on how to improve your blog skills as well. So I have struggled with email marketing since I started my blog. It's something I haven't given enough attention to. And I'm yeah. really starting to get back into it. I have a very decent amount of email subscribers that I haven't given enough time to. So I'm signed up for a bunch of MailChimp classes on Skillshare. And cool. I know I'm, I'm super pumped. And it gives me although I love my job, it gives me something to do and learn outside of my job to expand my horizons a little bit. So well, we should always be trying to learn something new every day. We definitely should. Skillshare has this crazy offer for our listeners. They're giving WOMED listeners specifically two months free on Skillshare. And all you have to do is go to Skillshare.com slash WOMED and you can get two months of unlimited learning. You can't get that in college. (laughs) No, not not for this price. You can't. No. (laughs) Seriously, I... If I heard this offer, I would sign up in a hot second, two months for free. When you guys just go and take a look at the classes, you'll be so excited. I I guarantee you, you're going to want to take so many of them. So I'm so pumped. I have I have more classes than I think I can learn. I think I do, saved. too. I got very excited. I so know, me too. You must go to Skillshare.com slash WOMED. Again, that is Skillshare.com slash WOMED to get your two months for free. Awesome sauce. Yeah. Okay. So Q&A portion. Things that you guys wanted to know about us. I don't know if we'll totally go in order, but we had lots of questions for NPs. What advice do you have for new grad NPs looking for jobs and just kind of trying to stand out and make their application stand out? The best advice that I can give for that so I was at an advantage because I could move anywhere. And mm-hmm. I, I knew very specifically that I wanted to work in cardiac surgery ICU. And I didn't have anything holding me back. And I was one of the few. Most of the people that I went to school with, I went to University of Maryland. They, they lived in Maryland. They had families, friends, like they planned on staying there. Or they were in the military and the military dictated where they would get jobs. So what I would say as far as trying to make yourself stand out. Your clinical rotations are very important. So if you go to a school Mm. where you are assigned clinical rotations, 
I was sort of timid in the beginning. And then after that, when I realized they were going to put me, I wanted to work in cardiac surgery ICU and they were going to give me a hospitalist rotation. That wasn't good enough for me. So I was that student that went back and changed my clinical rotations or I found my own and went back and said, I found this. I think this is a better fit. And so consequently, I did get a lot of the clinical rotations that I wanted because I was very bossy about it. And I just didn't take no for an answer. And they didn't like me very much. And I took a lot of, honestly, I took a lot of shit for that, but I don't regret it. So I think that's super important because you're going to be competing against a bunch of people who want the same job that you do in an area that you can't leave if you're, you know, stuck to your hometown or whatever, you have a family. So that's important. And then additionally, if you work as a bedside nurse in an area you want to be an MP, that's really important as well. Yeah. Because if they're looking for jobs and you want to be top choice for them, then great. Then you may have a built-in job that way. A little bit of research is always good to have on your resume as well. If you're getting your DMP or, you know, just to show that you have like something else. So for me, it was palliative care. And I've always been interested in that. And it goes really well with cardiac surgery ICU. So that was like Mm -hmm. a nice addition for me to have. So I think clinical rotations are number one, because I'm just going to say it. The reason that we get the pass that we get as nurse practitioners is because you're supposed to have experience before you go in to becoming a nurse practitioner versus a physician. The reason we get that pass is because you are supposed to work as a bedside nurse. Now, that has changed over the years and evolved, but I can tell you in my area of practice, and that's my only example that I have is where I have worked. If I had not worked as a nurse, I would not be able to even get by as a nurse practitioner. Like it's just, it's, it's too hard. So you need to have the work experience and the clinical experience to equal, you know, what you're going to be doing in the job. And it doesn't mean it has to be exactly the same, but like you need to have some sort of experience at the bedside or in the hospital setting. So clinical rotations are really important. And then your, you know, these extra activities that I'm mentioning, like the research can get you all sorts of uh, connections. So connections are important for getting a job too. So, Yeah, I will say that especially the nurses that I worked with in the NICU that were going on to get their neonatal NPs, a lot were hired right into our unit. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because they had that basis. They had already been working at the bedside and they knew that that was like the NICU that they wanted to be in. Yeah. And I think that that's great. And it's an easy, it's an easy transition, easier transition a lot of times for NPs to do that because they're already established as nurses and the providers know them and whatnot. I mean, we've got a few that worked as as, uh, bedside nurses that have transitioned to the MP role. And I mean, they, I think they adjusted more easily than I did. It's, it's nice for the nurses too, that are seeing their old co-workers and stuff move up into that role because you also have that relationship there mm-hmm. with them already. Yeah, totally. I agree. And I really liked what you said about actually knowing that you want to go into cardiac ICU and, and be a nurse practitioner in that sort of unit. You like went after what you wanted and you knew that like certain programs and stuff weren't like cer- certain clinical rotations were like no that's not going to get me to where i want to be mm-hmm. and you say it it may be bossy but like 
this is your career, this is your future, like you have to take that initiative to get yourself where you want to be. Right. I have a different experience. I have, you know, I know a lot of people have my experience. I don't, I can't remember what your experience has been with us, but I, I almost don't have any mentors in the field of nursing. Yeah. I love my current boss. She's the best boss I've ever had. And I did have a, one good nursing manager, but th they're few and far between. When I was in grad school was actually when I did my research job, the greatest mentor that I had in grad school was a family nurse practitioner. It wasn't even an acute care nurse practitioner because I never felt like I was truly supported through my DNP or my BSN for that matter. And so at some point, I just stopped expecting to be supported. And it's it's almost like when you know exactly what you want, they're intimidated by you and they want to like hold you back to an extent. So like say yeah, I, I, can see I was, that. yeah, so I was like offered this hospitalist rotation and they're like, you have to trust the process. You know, you're going to be a general practitioner when you get out. And I was like, no, I'm not. Like I'm going into CVICU. Mm -hmm. This is what I went to NP school for. I knew exactly what I wanted. I'm not coming out as a general nurse practitioner. And if I ever change, I'm going to be like an LVAD coordinator, cardiology NP, something in the same realm. So I don't need, you know, a hospitalist rotation, that sort of thing. Yeah. So you just, you have to be aggressive and unapologetic about it, but respectful at the same time mm -hmm. and present them with options. Yeah. So I was basically like, okay. I found it. Here's what I have. Here's the contact you need for the school to set this up for me. And that's that. And, and it worked out. I mean, it took some fighting, I won't <laughs> lie, but, um, but it did work out. But you have so. to be proactive in your education, in your career and in your life in general. Yes. hundred percent or nothing will ever happen. Yeah. Otherwise you're just going to place blame on the process or blame on something else when it's like, mm -hmm. no, like if I didn't fight hard enough for something that I wanted, then the only person that I can blame is me. Yep. hundred percent. And I, I mean, I still sort of blame the process, but, <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's okay. okay. Yeah. That's understandable. <laughs> yeah. I'm a little bitter. Most of us are. Dee, are you still taking your care of vitamins? I am because they make it so easy to take your vitamins. I love the little packages. They make it so easy for travel. So you aren't carrying like five different big bottles. You can just grab your little packs of vitamins and they have everything that you need in them. And the packaging is compostable, which is so awesome. And you can head to their website, take care of to find out more about that. Yeah, I totally agree. I love the packages because I get up so early in the morning that I don't want to take vitamins at 4am. So yeah. I just stick the pack in my pocket. And then around 10, when I get a chance to eat something, I can take my vitamins. And instead of completely missing them, That's, which is the alternative, it makes it so easy. Yeah. And I did the the online quiz, which we both Same. did. Yeah. And it only takes about five minutes. Uh, you so go through easy. And they ask you about your diet and health goals, lifestyle choices, etc. And then they give you some suggestions about how to customize your pack of vitamins. Or, you know, they also have protein powders and these little energy shots that I get as well. I know. I really love the probiotic powders that they have. Yes. Yeah. Every time I log in, I want something new. So, And they have a really special deal for our WOMED listeners. 
If you go to TakeCareOf.com and enter the code WOMED, you're going to get 25% off your first care of order. Yeah, that's go to TakeCareOf.com and enter the code WOMED for 25% off your first care of order. Awesome sauce. Okay. Do I get to ask you a question? Yeah, ask me a question. All right, let's see. Well, this is sort of similar. What advice do you have for picking a practicum for your BSN? Do you pick a practicum that relates to how to pass the NCLEX or a practicum that relates to your career interest? That's kind of a tough one. And I'll be honest, like I hadn't really thought about that in a long time. Um, I think when I graduated, the NCLEX was built up as such the all powerful test, you know, like you had to pass this or you were, you weren't like, you couldn't do anything, you know, like you, you couldn't get your, you couldn't get your license. You couldn't work anywhere. Like you Mm -hmm. had to pass the NCLEX. I knew what field I wanted to be in. I had a paid internship from the summer working in NICU, all of that before I took the NCLEX. Mm. Like senior year, you're graduating. My main focus and fear was that I wasn't going to pass the test. So I already had, thankfully, the internship in like my back pocket that I knew would help me get uh, a job in the NICU. My main focus was figuring out whatever way would help me pass the test, pass the NCLEX. So, and I'm a bad test taker. Like test taking was not my strong suit. I could Mm -hmm. write every paper. I could, I had like great clinical rotations, great like discussions and stuff with my teachers. Like, but test taking, it, it was, it was difficult for me. So personally, I would go for like a general like NCLEX test prep course because that really helped me. And I took that with a bunch of my classmates and we, we all had our books. We took our practice tests. We did everything. And that really helped me. And it was still a terrifying test to take. Yeah. I feel the same way. I mean, I took my practicums. My last practicum was related to where I wanted a job. And Mm -hmm. I think that passing the NCLEX is something separate. I think you do your board review like you did. Mm -hmm. You do your practice questions and you take the exam. Yeah. It's not your having a job somewhere Nursing school is about passing the NCLEX. It's not yeah. about the job that you're going to get. So it's like, sadly, you know, sadly. But you're, but you're so right. Like, yeah, there's so much. And we might get off on a little bit of tangent here because we kind of discussed this with, with Katie uh, Kleber. But you learn so much more once you get off the floor. So it's like mm-hmm. use nursing school, use your board props, use your NCLEX prop classes to pass that test. And then you're going to start learning so much more as soon as you get onto your unit. Exactly. So I think the consensus would be that you take your practicum for your career and you study for the NCLEX on the side, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. Agreed. (laughs) (laughs) Danny, when did you know it was time to go to NP school? Oh boy. Because how many years did you work as a nurse at the bedside before you went back to school? I worked three years total, yeah. full time. And then I I did work through MP school. So a couple things before I went to MP school, I knew exactly what I wanted to do before I went, 
which I think was super important. So some things that people don't know about me is that I actually applied to family NP school uh, when I first moved to Oklahoma and they turned me down and it was such a joke that they turned me down to be honest with you (laughs) I'm just gonna be I'm just gonna say it and just be a little arrogant but like my nursing school GPA was very good like it was like a 3.8 something I was like a stellar student I had great experience so anyway blessing in disguise that I was turned down because then I got a divorce shortly thereafter and I was like free to move and do whatever I wanted. Yeah. And family being a family NP was not what I wanted in the first place. So through those extra couple years of bedtime or bedtime <laughs> bedside experience, <laughs> I was able to figure out exactly what I wanted to do. But I've had some trouble explaining exactly when and why I knew I wanted to go. The practical reasons that I wanted to go were because I wanted to stay in an ICU setting and I knew I was going to be too tired as an as a bedside nurse um, for the rest of my life. So yeah. I was like, okay, I love the ICU, but I can't take the intense emotions of being a bedside nurse forever and like the physical drain of it. So I'll go into being a nurse practitioner. And then I also just wanted more autonomy. Mm -hmm. So that was like the overarching feeling. Like I've always been a person who wanted to be in charge. I'm a control freak. I uh, like to have the extra knowledge to make decisions for myself. And you can do some of that as a bedside nurse, but you still can't write the order. And I wanted to be the person to write the order. Yeah. So I kind of knew that before you know, like probably a year in, which is very early and a lot of people do it. But I I do feel like I did it for the right reasons. And I like knew exactly where I wanted to go, which was very helpful. Whereas nowadays, I feel like a lot of people go to NP school and hope for the best, but they don't really know what they want their end game to be. Yeah. And I think that's where you can really get into trouble coming out, like having no clue where to go. So not to say you can't recover or anything from that, but yeah, so that's it. And it's the sad reality of nursing today. It's exhausting. <laughs> it is so tiring and, and is. nothing's, nothing's changing right now. I hope it changes eventually, but would you say that you were maybe at a point working at the bedside where you were starting to feel really burnt out and like NP school kind of helped you manage that? Like you knew that there was like something new to like look forward to does that make sense yeah yeah it was definitely something to look forward to Mm -hmm. it was I, I knew what nurse practitioners made and it was a salary that I knew even with the student loan payment I was gonna have I knew that I could comfortably live off of that and if I wanted to have a family or something and you know had I ever been blessed enough to work as an RN in like California or like Mm -hmm. a unionized hospital in Boston or New York or, you know, somewhere where I had protected wages and a protected ratio and uh, a better work environment, Mm -hmm. maybe I would have stayed as an RN longer Yeah, because it's, but I've, I've never been privileged enough to experience a work environment like that i've always just worked in me either complete hell you know what (laughs) that might might be an interesting (laughs) guest i'm just gonna spitball here having having like a um like a 
I don't even know the levels of of a union, but like like some leader of a nursing union to just kind of discuss what that is. I don't know. Yeah, that might definitely be something to talk about so we can understand it better. But I do think that it would have had something to do. I mean, if I had been making like a lot of nurses right now, bedside nurses make what NPs make in unionized hospitals. So insane. Yeah. So it's like why? Especially for me being like. Tennessee is the lowest paid state in the nation. It's so bad. I'm so with you. It's so bad. And especially in Nashville with like the rate at which that city is like growing and booming. It's, oh, it just, wait, nursing wages just make me sick. Like the amount that nurses get paid, the amount that teachers only get paid. How? It's so (laughs) bad. How does this work out? I remember my very first paycheck. I was working in Indiana And after like taxes and retirement and everything was taken out for two weeks, I brought home like $1,100. And I was like, you mean to tell me I just like took care of two dying people every single day, Mm -hmm. like this week, and like I get $1,100 for that? Like I can hardly pay my rent, you know, like it was like, I was just like, this is the hardest job and we're so underpaid. I think my beginning wage was like... 20 bucks an hour or something like that. Yeah. Like it was so low and Oklahoma was no better. Oh, that's the other place I worked. And then Maryland was very low in comparison to the cost of living, but I've heard they've gotten raises since then, since I worked there. Well, I'd hope so, <laughs> but I don't see Tennessee being like a wildly, <laughs> wildly like paying <laughs> place. <laughs> If you could see my face, right? If the audience, our listeners could see my face, I'm just like, ah. It's just, yeah. Maybe I my expectations are too high, but I do feel like nurses should make more money than they make. Oh, yeah. We're taking care of people's lives. And, like, teachers yeah. are shaping people's lives. They're, oh, man. And plumbers make more than we do. Which is yes. a great trade. Sometimes I think I should have gone into a trade like plumbing or welding or electrician. Or like, yeah. Such good jobs. Yeah. Good jobs. They get good health care, overtime payment. We don't get that. No. So thank you to all the plumbers <laughs> electricians. Yeah. You guys are great. What a good. You chose a great career. Like it's seriously. Yeah. Very stable. So this is a selfish question. Yeah. That somebody else also asked, but what is your matcha latte recipe? Oh, okay. So I posted that as a a, a a video of me making it. It's a very low quality video because I'm not Spielberg, but <laughs> I think it could be the Spielberg of matcha latte. <laughs> it's um, delicious. It, oh, it's so good. But it is, I did post a video on the WOMED of like directions and stuff and how I make it, but it's super easy. It's like a teaspoon of matcha powder. You pour in about like two ounces of hot water and you whisk it. And while I'm doing that, I have my milk steaming and I you can use any type of milk. I really love oat milk or coconut milk, um, but I maybe like three quarters of a cup. I'll steam that. I'll put like a teaspoon of honey or um, maple syrup, like real maple syrup, and add maybe like another ounce or two of water and then pour the milk in. And voila, you have a delicious. You whisk it? 
Yeah, you whisk, whisk it. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she whisks but it. Whisk it with the bamboo whisker. Yeah, you've got the real. You gotta whisker. get the froth. You gotta get that good froth. Oh, and it's I so even good. take it one step further. I have a tiny, tiny little sieve <laughs> that, like, I pour the powder through, and like, oh. so it's like it's light, it's fluffy, it's delicious. You pour I the actually, powder through, and then you whisk it, or yeah. you pour the whole latte through the sieve whenever you're done. No, I pour the powder through, like pour the oh. powder through the sieve before I even put any water in it. And I learned that from this magical person called Mystical Michaela. She did like, I even went to like a matcha tea. I don't know what to call it. Class? Yes. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> intensive. Yeah. A matcha tea intensive. Yeah. <laughs> I learned a lot. It was delicious. I love it. I love it. And side note, I love oat milk. It's so good. It's, it's the really best good. Thing since I don't know. It froths really well too. And it oh. already has kind of like a nutty sweetness to it that's really nice in the latte. Okay. I agree. So I thought this was really kind of an interesting question. How do you handle breakups working in medicine? And that might sound like kind of a like a general question. I mean, like breakups are hard no matter what, like what career you're in. But it's it's kind of a different level when you have to put aside like what you're feeling and your pain and be able to sit there with someone else in theirs. Yeah. I mean, I'm probably not the healthiest person to (laughs) ask that question, but I just work harder. I work more and I work harder because then it doesn't give me time to feel anything myself, which is terrible. It's a a really great distraction to be honest. Yeah. I I mean, because you don't, you can't function, you know, I, if you're that sad, like to me, I just work until I'm so tired. I can't because there's nothing you can do about it. So maybe it's not the worst coping mechanism. Uh, You know, I'm not saying I didn't ever deal with it I did but at the time sometimes that whole you know losing yourself and helping others is what does make you better so that's that's what I did in the past I mean I only had one breakup that I really cared about that much Mm -hmm. (laughs) while I was working as a nurse I'll go one step further and say that a lot of hospitals offer like employee assistance programs and I've used used them before and I think you get it's like somewhere between like three to like five free sessions with a counselor there. That in, and sometimes it's it's just nice when you're going through something so painful like that to just have so, like someone to talk to, you know, that's, yeah. that's going to validate your feelings, that's going to hear, like just, just listen to you. So that's um, a really good response. If you're... Yeah, I highly recommend using, um, if you don't already have a therapist that you feel really comfortable with, or if you're new to going to therapy, which I love. Me too. Do try out like your employee assistance program. They're a really good resource or like starting point, and then they can refer you to um, another counselor that is probably in your network that insurance might cover because insurance does not cover mine. (laughs) That would be great if they did, but that's, that's actually really good advice. I've had several, I know several people who have used the hospital program and have been really impressed with it. Yeah. Shout out to everyone working in the hospital employee assistance programs. You are amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. So here's a question. Okay. If you could change one thing about the healthcare system, what would it be? Free for everybody. No. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, honestly, 
I would I would change what nurses get paid and I would try and figure out a way that both left and right sides of our country could come together to make it easier for everyone to receive health care and more affordable because I don't think you can argue against that everyone doesn't deserve access to health care like everyone does. Everyone deserves the right to be treated if they're sick. And I, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's something that we can come together on as a country. And I would like to see that happen and make it more affordable. Yeah, I think I think my number one priority would be the treatment of the people who work in healthcare. Like yeah. first and foremost, mm-hmm. I think if we doctors, nurses, you know, pretty much everyone, I think the ratios we need to be taking care of fewer patients, doctors mm-hmm. and nurses alike, and we need to be working different hours and I know at least nurses need to be getting paid more. Yeah. We're we're treated like machines. And yeah. we're so tired that there's not time for us to be on like the last thing that we could ever consider doing is being on a committee to, you know, make a change or something like that. So we're right to the bone. Yeah. Yeah. So my first thing would be um, would be taking care of the people who work in healthcare better. Yeah. With all of the aforementioned aspects, because mm-hmm. then I think things would change, you know. Yeah. If we could start from the people who actually experience it. If I'm I'm a little testy in today's episode. You can hear it in my voice, but no, I No, but that's okay. I'm a I little mean, bit bitter. I'm 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 in I'm having one of those weeks where I'm tired of being taken advantage of by the healthcare system. You know, they wax Wayne. Yeah. There we are. Mm-hmm. And and my feelings, you know, I'm still very passionate about my job, but I'm just yeah. tired. It was a really rough it's been rough lately. So I just, I just want to go and take care of people, you know, and feel like I can still take care of myself at the same time. Yeah. So that's it. That's what we got. (laughs) You're beautiful, Dan. You're beautiful too. (laughs) Your heart is so good. (laughs) So is yours. (laughs) I, I mean, like if I, God forbid, ever... (laughs) need anything done with my heart I'm gonna be like no I'm flying to Ohio (laughs) come to my hospital they're they're amazing they're amazing I will say yeah you're the only one that's allowed to take care of my heart and I'll take care of your kids I'm telling you I have to give like a mad shout out to every nurse practitioner I work with is outstanding they are the best I have ever seen I would take I would accept care from any of them on my team they're incredible. And I can't say that about everyone. So, and you know, I'll say working in the NICU, like different friends or coworkers and stuff will be pregnant in there. And there's, there's been some that, um, deliver at my hospital and they'll look and be like, wait, who's the NP on tonight? Who's the chargers on tonight that, that might end up showing up at my delivery. And like thinking about that, if, I get to that point. All of our nurse practitioners are amazing. They really mm-hmm. are. I might have a lot of frustrations with my hospital and how the staff is treated. 
But our hospital staff, like our nurses, our nurse practitioners, our docs, are next level. It's so the it's best really people. it's really hard to keep that level of people though. I know what you mean, but you're saying you're saying that your your nurses and nurse practitioners are great, yeah. you know? You're, yeah. You want to change the system. You don't want to change the people. Exactly. Yeah. This is another question. Danny, um, what's your dream job if you were not working as a nurse or nurse practitioner? I think I already know the answer to this because we both kind of have the same <laughs> answer. But I don't know. Well, I'd be a writer. That's what I knew you were going to say. Yeah. Because that's I'd what be I was a writer. Say. I'd be a writer and then I would... Somehow ride horses every day. You yeah. know, like I'd have, a, I'd have a horse or I would have a horse in training or something. I mean, if if income wasn't a factor, I would just be a rider. I, yeah. I could write all day, every day. Never stop. <laughs> so what about you? What would you do if you weren't a nurse? Um, what would be your dream job? I'd be a writer and or... Um, or doing some sort of like Doctors Without Borders or yeah, something like that or Peace Corps. I say that, but um, but I also it'd be really difficult to be away from my family for like two years. So that's right, a tough right. one. But ultimately, like I would love to find a balance where like I could go and travel for three months and build wells or do vaccines or do well baby checkups or empower young girls to stay in school, you know, in these yeah. countries and then come back and then, you know, have some sort of balance like that. But yeah, I love that too. Actually, yeah. it would be great. Cause I love but to travel. I'd be happy just like being in a cabin in the mountains during the summer, riding the whole time and mm-hmm. like, having a horse to ride around <laughs> as my break for the day <laughs> and then moving to the beach when the winter comes around somewhere warmer to ride all day. I just, <laughs> it would be great. It would be so nice. We did get some questions about PAs and we do definitely want to recognize all the physician's assistants and would love to have some of them on the podcast to talk about their journeys. So if you're a PA um, and you want to come on the podcast and talk about things, send us a DM because we would love to hear from you uh, because you guys do. I feel like you guys do get overlooked a lot and I don't like that. <laughs> and I want you guys to have a, a space and a voice too. So yeah, we should do a PA episode as well. Yeah. It'd be good for all of us to learn what they, yeah, what they're training. I mean, I, I don't work with them in this job, but mm-hmm. I mean, they work pretty much the same jobs that I work. Yeah. One so. of my friends is an incredible PA and she actually opened up her own aesthetic business and she's literally one of the the best, most honest, brilliant women in aesthetics for like Botox fillers. And we do share a very common love of Dr. Pimple Popper. Oh my oh. God. What if we got Dr. Pimple Popper on here? <laughs> That'd be great. She's cool. She has a TV show though. Well, yeah, but you know, maybe... Maybe she'd want to come on. You never know. Yeah. The invitation is out there. (laughs) Yeah. She's awesome. She's got great skin, too. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, she does. She's beautiful. I would actually, I might, I might consider a career change and go and work for her if she'd have me. Oh, that'd be amazing. (laughs) 
She'd be so great. I already have experience on TV. <laughs> there you go, right? Exactly. I could help you with that. Let's see. Um, how about okay. how about what do you do to help prevent burnout? Oh my god, I talked to my therapist. <laughs> yeah, I I try and make time to to balance my life. Um, yeah. But it's it's really difficult. Um, you start seeing, and and I don't know. There's just so many different factors that contribute to burnout. It's it's how hard you worked. It's the emotional aspect of dealing with um, patients who are who are passing or actively dying and not feeling supported at work or not having the best coping mechanisms for those type of events. Um, It's one of those things I don't know that I have a good answer for it because there's, there's research and stuff going on about how to help prevent it, but it's just not being enacted in all hospitals yet. Yeah, no, it's, it's, that's a, that's a hard one. Um, and I, I'd say from my own personal experience is just trying to to balance your life. And, oh, man, I honestly don't know if I have an answer to that. We've got to get a we, – we need a really good speaker on, like, compassion fatigue and burnout and emotional injury. And we need to have – we need to do a burnout episode. I know a person that can do that. And I will should. say I think – Before, early in my career, I thought that there was, like, a quick fix to burnout. Like, you Mm -hmm. take off two weeks and you'll be fixed. But it's really just ongoing. Yeah. And it's ongoing with the units that you work in. Mm -hmm. It's ongoing with what's going on in your life. And it's constant work. And you have to keep keep evolving with what changes are happening in your job and in your life. Mm -hmm. And developing new coping mechanisms and stay on top of it. Because the second that you don't. You burn out. Yeah. And I burned out multiple times. I'm probably like nearing burnout again <laughs> now. Yeah. So it's like you just have to constantly stay on top about it of it. And it isn't one thing. And assuming a lot of times, assuming that you're going to change jobs or like if you change jobs, it would be better. I, that usually, in my experience at least, is not the um, key to curing burnout. I feel like... Yeah. I'm the type of person you could give me an hour of work or 12 hours of work and I would still be stressed about it. So it's just learning, you know, it's, it's just constantly learning how to not live in a state of adrenaline and anxiety all the time, you know? So, so it's, it's takes work, therapy, Mm -hmm. yoga, I can't even say it without laughing. Well, I know. It seems like that's like the go-to answer. <clears throat> it is. Honestly, They're all like, go-to. It's, it's a great answer. I, I love yoga. Yoga has helped me a lot. But it's it's hard. It's I think it, we're, we're supposed to be superheroes, and we're not. It takes a lot of effort. Mm-hmm. There's not a quick fix. This is kind of an interesting one. Any advice for a nurse who doesn't want to do bedside nursing? And I guess for me, I'm kind of like, well, do you want to work in a in a clinic? Do you want to be like, because I guess, I mean, like, 
And maybe, ooh, I hope I didn't just offend people there by being like, well, do you want to work in a clinic? And that's not, is that considered the bedside? I mean, you're... No, that's not the bedside. I think it's just important to know that there are lots of other jobs out there. Well, If yeah. you don't want to work bedside, you don't have to. I mean, you could work an outpatient GI and do conscious sedation for people getting colonoscopies. Yeah. You could do... Medical um, sales. You could do, yeah, totally, mm-hmm. medical sales. You could work in informatics. You could work for insurance companies. You could work. You um, could do care coordination in the hospital. Yeah. There are so many jobs that are not bedside that you could do being yeah. a nurse. Even research opportunities oh, yeah, and stuff totally. as, as nurses. Yeah. Yep. There are tons of options, tons of options. So, yeah. So don't, no one should feel like they're pigeonholed into, if you want to be a nurse, you can only go and work at, at a hospital. Like mm-hmm. there, there's so many different avenues. Danny, what's your favorite type of patient to take care of? Oh, well, as a bedside nurse, I really like the one-to-one very sick patients. Mm-hmm. I like, like somebody on ECMO. Yeah. And honestly, towards the end of my career, I didn't really ever have to take care of <laughs> two patients unless I was working my, uh, PRN job. So I really like just a super, super sick patient. Then it's just a one-to-one ratio. And as a nurse practitioner, I prefer the same thing. Yeah. So I don't, I don't like getting admits. I don't like like constant turnover, like Mm -hmm. the, you know, we have multiple cardiac surgery ICUs. So like some patients who are getting like a fast track cardiac surgery, meaning like one valve fixed or something like that will go to a particular unit and they're likely transfer out the next day. Yeah. My favorite units are the ones that get the more complex surgeries that mm-hmm. stay for a few days before they leave. So, yeah. yeah. So same. What about you? Um, I love ECMO patients. I love having that one-to-one type of patient. I, n- I usually never have three patients either. It's usually just one-to-ones or two-to-ones. See, I live for like a sick admission coming because you're just like, all in, like all hands on deck. Everyone's working, getting everything stabilized. Everyone knows their role. You're getting all the fluids hung up. You're getting all the meds hung up. You're getting the septic workups done. You're um, waiting for x-rays. You're doing like, you're just, you're doing so much. I, I live for those admissions. And, but then like, they're also like there with us for a bit. And so like the sick admits are usually the ones that I usually end up signing up on <laughs> because yeah. you can follow them like you did all this hard work and then you follow them through the recovery. And that's, I mean, like, I feel like anyone in healthcare is the only people that are going to get that because most people would be like, why are you wishing for someone so sick? Right. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's that adrenaline rush. It's, um, like sitting there, like really using your brain and like all of your resources and your, all of your critical thinking skills to figure out what's going on with this patient and be a part of the healthcare team. Mm-hmm. I guess specifically like NICU related, anything, um, meconium aspirates, congenital diaphragmatic hernias. Those are my favorites. Um, and I love to mix it up with a, a cute little preemie there every once in a while. The micro preemies are not necessarily my favorite I like them at about like 28 to like 32 weeks like that size is really cute but you know man the micro preemies are intense (laughs) they're really intense I mean 
they they're they're fetuses you know they're born at 23 or like 22 and 5 you know like they're they're tiny tiny little little creatures humans sorry to again i feel like i i feel like i'm gonna offend people with how i refer to them we're all creatures though yeah we're all creatures like i don't i don't mean it like they're like you mean it in an endearing way yes like I call them like my little ninja preemies, you know, I mean, like I love they're, that. they're sassy and it's, <laughs> they're fascinating to like look at and like, just like what we're capable of doing and using and like treating and on something that's so incredibly tiny where like you look at your pinky and like, that's the size of their thigh. Oh my God. And we have blood pressure cuffs that are that small. We have IVs that are that small. But there's, it's a skin thing. It's a skin thing with the micropremies that like creeps me out that I feel, not creeps me out. I just feel bad for, you know, because mm-hmm. you have to, I mean, you still have to put tegaderm down to hold down umbilical lines, Aww. you know, and their skin, it's it's so sensitive. You're either slathering them up with aquaphor or to keep it like moisturized so that they don't just dry out, but then nothing sticks to them either. So like leads don't stick. Tape doesn't stick. You might like lose mm-hmm. IVs and, and stuff. It's it's a delicate balance. And then you're you're more they're more prone to head bleed. So like you have to be oh you just have to be so careful, so so careful and delicate. I love all aspects of Nikki, but like gut kids, like surgery kids, that's more my favorite. Yeah, and it's the best when they get better. Yeah the best micro preemies are still it they have such a long tough road ahead of them and you know it's it's very rare that a baby born at like 22 and some change or 30 or um, 23 and some changes not going to have any sort of lasting issues and like personally like I struggle with are we doing things to this baby or are we doing things for them and it's a it's it's tough with when they're like that tiny and and then they have they do develop head bleeds or they develop neck and it's just such a such a slew of issues but the ones that you know do come out and make it through this this whole trial it's they're they're just amazing to see I love it so it's a whole that's a whole world I don't know about yeah I would love to show you around it once. <laughs> I would love it. I actually, I would, I would love, love to it, see your unit too. Yeah. Yeah. No, my unit's wild too. I wish we Different could do wild. that. I wish we could. I mean, obviously HIPAA, but it would be so interesting just to be able to, to take viewers through, through our worlds. That's true. Someday. Someday. Wink. <laughs> right. <laughs> we got- so been about an hour questions there there are so many more we could we could talk about but thank you for another episode of the WOMED yeah um keep it's the been very nice yeah keep the questions coming um maybe we'll do some more Q&A episodes because these are these are fun fun questions to answer and as always we're just so thankful for you listening every week and tuning in and y'all are just amazing yeah thank you for coming every week yeah please Rate, review, and subscribe the WellMed if you have time. We appreciate that too. And I will try and start reading the reviews. It's, even when they're bad. You you gotta you gotta. You have to read the, I will. you have to take the good with the bad. 
I will. I'll read yeah. them. And you can find us at the WOMED on Instagram. You can find Danielle at DM Maltby <laughs> on Instagram and me at Nurse Abnormalities on Instagram. Awesome. As well. WOMED out, y'all. Till next week. See you then. Bye.